Are you a nurse who's always dreamed of being your own boss and having your own business? Well, we're going to dive deep into it with my guest, Katie Harris, PhD, MBA, and your nursepreneur mentor right here on episode 240 of The Nurse Keith Show. Well, hello and welcome to the Nurse Keith Show. I'm so grateful you're listening, whether it's your first time tuning in or you've been hanging out with me here on the airways for months or years. Thank you for being part of the growing Nurse Keith Nation. This podcast is all about you and your nursing career, and I'm here to share education, ideas, diatribes, and informative interviews with some of the most inspiring people from the worlds of healthcare, nursing, medicine, and beyond. And did you know you can leave a rating and review for the Nurse Keith Show? That's right. Head over to iTunes and Apple Podcasts. That really helps other people find a show. When you click on the rating, write a review, and then let me know you did so, and I will thank you on air. Meanwhile, if you want to see the show notes for this episode, you can hop on over to nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 240. That's nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 240. Well, today we are here to talk about nursing, healthcare, business, and entrepreneurship with Katie Harris, an amazing nurse entrepreneur. Hey, Katie. Hi, thank you so much for having me here. Oh, gosh, it's my pleasure. And, you know, you and I are both nurse entrepreneurs, so we understand what it means to launch your own gig, like to have your own endeavor, whether it's a side hustle or not a side hustle. So why is it important for nurses to understand that business and entrepreneurship are something they can even consider as a possibility? You know, I've met so many nurses that have so much to give. They have so much inside intelligence and expertise and knowledge, and they don't know how to harness it. And I had this a similar problem myself with it, with uh, working with neurosurgery for so many years. And you get to a point where you're just kind of like, just really frustrated. And I, I don't think the healthcare system or the hospital system, and this is my own opinion, obviously, but I don't think it gives you that creative outlet to express yourself and how to change things, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, being a good employee means that you do everything that they tell you to do. To be an entrepreneur, you're like, well, what about this? And we could change that and we can make this better and, and that better. And that's not always an, encouraged in the traditional sense. You know, the, the the whole idea of change of anything is just hugely scary and frightening to everybody. Right. But Wait, that's the way <laughs> we've know. always done it. Why you're should right. we change? Right. Someone <laughs> exactly. out there right now is nodding their head like, uh-huh, heard that a million times. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. And so. what you were talking about just now, that that notion of creativity, being able to come up with novel solutions for problems, right? That would be in my world, my universe, intrapreneurship, where a nurse works in a hospital or an ambulatory care center or a home health agency, whatever, and he or she takes real quote unquote ownership of their job and They're the kind of employee who will go above and beyond and not just kind of stick with the status quo. They'll be like, huh, I think this could be more efficient. Let's see if we can figure something out. And like you said, there's not much room for creativity out there in the healthcare world. Once in a while, 
you might find an employer or a manager or an executive who's like, wow, you have amazing ideas. Let's try to actualize them. But how often do you think anyone actually sees that in their workplace, Katie? <laughs> I can tell you from the multiple jobs that I've had, I haven't seen it yet, uh, you know, because they would just want to pigeonhole you. And, and there's, so there's certain types of people that are going to gravitate towards that type of, you know, let me think out of the side of the box and I have all these ideas. And, and sure, you can't run with every idea that every employee ever has because, uh, I mean, it would just be like massive chaos. But they're a subset that you also need to take seriously. And I, I feel like if the healthcare system took the nursing ideas seriously, the way that they're presented and executed, I think we would have a much different healthcare system, to be honest, like just to really harness that knowledge and expertise and develop entrepreneurialism. I know for a fact, if they had harnessed my knowledge of, of neurosurgery, I would still be in there like running the rat race with them just because, you know, I just, I wanted to contribute. I wanted to impact. I wanted to make a difference. Right. And eventually I realized I, I wasn't. Yeah. You're like, um, I don't think I'm going to grow here. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. I have talked to some nurses who worked for people or organizations where they felt like they really were valued and seen and that their ideas were honored. But that is few and far between. Like yeah, most lucky. of us, yeah, they're lucky. Most of us don't find that. So if somebody out there, let's say we have a nurse and he or she works in ICU or telemetry or something, and they're like, you know, I think I need a change of lifestyle and work style and maybe working for myself would be a really good idea. I know what I would say to that person, but what would you say to that person? You know, so it depends. And honestly, like I don't encourage entrepreneurship for everybody because I don't think it's for everybody. I think there's a certain type of person and a certain type of nurse that just has that inner fire and there's a persistence and and they're just going to they're just going to make it happen no matter what. Mm -hmm. And then there's certain people that are just that want more money and a better lifestyle. And that doesn't always mean start a business, right? Because that's no. not even what I <laughs> think of when I think of start a business. Yeah, but <laughs> totally. Like what on average, if someone listening is like, yeah, I'd like to start a business. How many years will it take me to get off the ground and actually earn a profit? What would you say to that person? Oh man, if they're really lucky, I would say one to two years you know, but it, it can be a grind too, but it's a it's a labor of passion mm -hmm. and it's something that I've absolutely loved because I just keep growing and growing. Like I, I just learn so much and there's a certain amount of value that I get from the learning experience. And you can get sucked up into that. You can get sucked up into, you know, I'm going to learn, 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 and never run a business. True. But then there's the other side of it. Like, okay, I need to step out and really make this happen. So I think there's a certain element of the first year needs to be about learning. You know, give yourself a break. Realize that you you don't have business experience. You might have the intuition. You might have the expertise and the knowledge. But there's a whole other world out there that you need to learn. So give yourself a good year to make the mistakes, figure things out, build the business. Some money might trickle in, mm -hmm. but more likely more money is going to trickle out than the, than trickles in. Well, so, I would you know, say it's more like a fire hose going out <laughs> and a straw coming in. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> Not to discourage anyone. Um, and 
you can start a business on a relative shoestring, right? Yes, yeah. absolutely. And, and that's what I always recommend is not to not to like sink your entire mortgage into a business. So if someone's like, well, I don't have a lot of money laying around and and, you know, I can't spend money on this and that and the other thing. So what can somebody do if they want to start a business endeavor, but they really don't have a lot of capital on hand and maybe they're not even in the in the position to borrow money. So how can they start on a super shoestring? Well, honestly, I think that's something that nurses are really great at doing in the first place because we're all working on a shoestring budget in the hospital setting to begin with. So we, we are very creative in finding ways to get things done with no money. <laughs> but And some of it's just leveraging the resources that you do have, like your friends and your family and social media in business would be a good way to leverage. But I would, you know, especially the first year, I would spend a lot of time researching your audience because so many times people want to come to business with a solution and then they start looking for problems. And uh, to me, that's completely backwards. Like yes. you need to really be ingrained with your audience and spend time with them, like spend a lot of time with them, not like do a, a post on Facebook and see what comes back, like really immerse yourself in that audience and understand them, get the that empathetic understanding of what their real problem is. And then the problem will, will come up in, in, you know, waves and droves, like you'll know what the problem is. And then it becomes very apparent what you need to spend your money on to start this business. Right, right. So some of us use the term pain point. You need to find the pain points for your audience. But first you have to figure out who your audience is. Like if you want to work with single mothers, well, what are the pain points of single mothers? They need childcare. They're running an entire household and raising children on one income. You know, where do those single mothers who you're targeting shop? Are they like Whole Foods mothers or are they people with less means? And do they shop at, at Kroger's? You know, you have to look at, you know, who is this person who I'm targeting? And rather than thinking about some faceless person group out there, I like to really identify who's who's the person I want to actually talk to. So do you think in that way too, like who's the avatar who represents this niche that I'm trying to to make headway with? I do, absolutely. And to be honest, my avatar has evolved and I've allowed the avatar to evolve. So when I first started, I put out a certain type of vibe in a course that attracted people that I was like, uh, this isn't really what I wanted. And then, you know, just kind of evolving my business and the message brought in a different clientele. So, you know, that, that really helped me to understand who it was that I was targeting, what type of nurse, because honestly, there's 4 million nurses in the United States alone. Mm-hmm. Obviously, all of them don't want to become entrepreneurs, so there's a sliver of them. But even in that sliver, they still can niche down even further. I mean, you have your millennials, you have your older nurses, you have your very experienced nurses, you have nurses that want to do MLM and or multi-level marketing, and you know, there's the whole bunch of niches inside of that niche of entrepreneurships. Right. And it all depends who you're trying to reach. Is it the lay public? Is it, are you doing a B2B like business to business kind of, kind of thing that you're launching? Now, speaking of business, you have a PhD and you're an RN and you also have an MBA. You Mm -hmm. have a master's in business arts. 
and you are what you call a nursepreneur mentor, and you've worked with hundreds of nurses, helping them monetize their knowledge and skills in the business world. So where does all of that experience for you come into play? Because you've worked as a bedside nurse, right? Yes. And what, what milieus did you work in? What environments? So I want to add that I have four master's degrees as well. Four master's degrees? <laughs> in nursing. Can I yeah. borrow one? Because I don't have <laughs> no, one yet. It. it sounds like it's you can spare it. one. Uh, and, and I'll say that, uh, you know, I had kind of that inferiority complex. Like I just felt like I had to keep learning and learning and learning and learning. Yeah. And to be honest, learning is great. I'm not knocking learning. I, it, and I love to learn, but it's also something that you can hide behind mm -hmm. and not actually move forward. So oh just my. something to be cautious about. Four master's degrees. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Katie Harris, PhD, MBARN. What are your other master's degrees? So they're, in, uh, so they're different. I mean, master's in acute care, a master's in adult, master's in family. And then the master's in business. So that's the, the four. Oh, my. Well, you've mastered a lot of things, apparently. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're working on business. So tell us. Uh, now I have my street MBA. Yes. <laughs> ah, yes. Yeah. So how long did you work as a clinician, like actually working with patients? So I worked in neurosurgery on the floor for about eight years before I went back for my nurse practitioner degree. Okay. And um, I, I mean, I had done my MBA at that time as well. So I did, uh, when I was working as a nurse, I got my MBA and then went back for my nurse practitioner, first nurse practitioner degree. Hmm. And um, then I worked with neurosurgery, oh my goodness, for about 10 years uh, as a nurse practitioner. And uh, really loved working with them, loved the whole clinical aspect of it because I got to do everything. I worked with my surgeons and I did inpatient and outpatient and OR and Wonderful. ICU and ED. Uh, so it was quite the experience. And um, then I came back to the ICU after my son was born and uh, it's just the two of us. So, you know, I couldn't really work with neurosurgery because I would go in at three in the morning and mm. do cases with them. And I Not just- so good. Not yeah. so good as a single mom. <laughs> yeah, no. he can't really do it. He'll be fine in the crib by himself. No, but um, he's so self-sufficient. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I needed <laughs> I needed something a little bit more predictable and stable. So I went back to the ICU, and that's where I really had problems readjusting because oh. I didn't have that ability to be creative. So my surgeon, when I worked with my neurosurgeon, he let me do everything and anything I wanted. So I was in like entrepreneurial heaven, if you will. Mm. <laughs> you know? uh, and then to come back to the ICU and it's just like, you're just going to do this and you're just going to put orders in when we tell you to put orders in and you're just going to, you know, I, it came to heads with it. And um, it, it's really kind of what jump started me off of into the business realm because I needed that creative outlet. But right. yeah, I mean, I put a good 20 years of, um, of nursing in. So that nurse out there wondering, does Katie really understand nurses and what they go through? You have been in the trenches like I have. I did 20-ish years as a clinician too, not in acute care. I did it outpatient, ambulatory, and home health, but we both did several decades. So we know what the struggles are. And interestingly, your business and my business, we each work with nurses. I do career coaching, not really business coaching. I mean, I'll talk with people about like the very, very 
preliminary bones of of business, but it's not my wheelhouse. Like I don't know how to really coach people to launch a business per se. I can give them lots of advice and things based on my experience. So if you're going to walk someone through starting a business, we talked about identifying a niche, like who is that person you want to work with, that actual person? What does she look like? What does she do? Where does she shop? Right. And then we talked about you have to come up with a problem you're trying to solve. So how do you guide people to identify some of these important building blocks of a business where you have to start from the beginning because you can't start in the middle? Right. Yeah. And to be honest, I actually was talking to a woman today who was interested in, she has this background in dementia and she was talking about, you know, how do I monetize my knowledge of dementia? And -hmm. she said, you know, I really love working with patients with dementia. And I said, well, that's not really a great business. You can't really start a business with patients with dementia. It's just right. not going to work. They won't remember you the next time. <laughs> There's some ethical issues there. Right. But anyway, so, you know, we, we talked about some different angles to that. And I said, mm-hmm. well, you know, there's, it really depends on the type of person you are and what you, what you like to do, because we can take this from any angle. And for one, if you want to work with caregivers. So I have a student that works with caregivers and she has a Facebook group that has 50,000 caregivers in this Facebook group and she nurtures them the best that she can. Um, And she's, you know, God love her. She's a a, a very good nurse and takes care of 50,000 patients. So when you think of your three patients on the floor, you know, you just think of Gail. But anyway, so that's one angle is to take care of the caregivers. And then another angle, I said, you could address the general public in the avenue of how do we prevent dementia from happening in the first place. And she got really excited about that angle uh, because she had a lot of thoughts and solutions and and feelings about that area. So that's something that she's going to start to explore. So the next step to that would be, you know, who's the competition out there and Mm. what actually exists and what doesn't exist. Oh, right. Who is providing a solution that's in any way similar to what you're doing or who addresses pain points similar to what you want to address, right? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's really important to know who your competition is. Isn't it? Well, we're going to take a really quick break. And when we come back for the second half of this episode, we're going to dive a little deeper into what it means to start a business and what you actually do with people through your intensive mentorship program and what it means to transcend the hospital system or whatever aspect of the healthcare system you want to exit stage left from and do something new. So we'll be right back. So now we're going to take a pause for the cause for just a moment. Please consider becoming a patron of the Nurse Keith Show, just like other listeners who value the show so much that they want to give just a little bit each month to support the work we're doing here. When you pledge, you not only get the satisfaction of helping produce and support the show, you also get some pretty nifty premiums and gifts directly from yours truly. Just head over to patreon.com forward slash nurse Keith to read all about it. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash nurse Keith. 
Also, please consider signing up for my newsletter at nursekeith.com so that you can receive my bi-weekly message just for you. Finally, if someone you know could benefit from career coaching with me, please consider referring them. And if they become a paying client, even if they do one session, you'll receive credit for one hour of coaching with me. And there's no expiration date on that credit. And you can keep it in your back pocket until you need it most. Remember, that you can refer as many people as you like and continue to earn those coaching credits over time. What a deal. Those are my sincere asks of you, dear listener. So now let's dig back into today's topic. Thanks for hanging out here on the Nurse Keith Show, episode 240. Remember, the show notes are at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 240. We're here with Katie Harris, PhD, RN, with four master's degrees. I will have to just remind those of you listening who want to know, Katie, you have four master's degrees. You can't, <laughs> you can't deny it. You said it in the first half. But we were talking about business, about avatars, about figuring out what your niche is, et cetera. So if you were going to mentor someone through your intensive mentorship program, what are some of the initial, let's say, um, the pushback you get from people, the things that people say, oh, I couldn't do that, or oh, I couldn't do that, or can I do that? What are the things that initially come up that cause people to think twice about entering this particular realm. Yeah, I'll tell you the the biggest pushback I get is creating a personal brand because oh. I, I'm very I'm very big on the personal brand. I believe that you need to be front and center of your business and you know not everybody wants to be seen. No. And especially nurses, we tend to hide behind either so I see a lot of nurses put up businesses and then you know, the about page is all about the corporation that could very well be a one-man ban or a one-nurse mm -hmm. ban, and they don't talk about themselves at all. And to me, one of the biggest faults of healthcare is that we have separated ourselves so much from the patients, and we're kind of up here, and they're down here, and mm -hmm. we're like throwing words of wisdom down at them that <laughs> one don't even make any sense. It's all just medical jargon and they don't understand. So they're gravitating away from us and they're going to other marketing ideas that may or may not benefit them. True. And a lot of that comes from them not understanding the medical ease. So I push my nurses to be front and center in their business and to share their story about why they started their business. Because one, for one, I don't want to work with nurses that only want to be in business because they want more money. Because that's just, I mean, nobody wants to work with a person like that. Right. But, you know, the fact that they're doing this, it has meaning for them. And when they convey that meaning to the people they're trying to help, it helps connect them. Mm. And that's so powerful in sales and marketing. Yeah. And not to sell just anything, but just to sell to share your solution with somebody that you really care about. Yeah. And you just said how you want the person to be front and center, even if it is a multi-person business or one woman show, you definitely 
people like stories. Like they want to know what's Katie Harris's story. What's nurse Keith's story. Right. And like on my website, I tell my story and people who followed me for years know a lot about my life and my story. They know, they know who my cat is, George, who's laying right here underneath my microphone as I speak. And they know Mm -hmm. who my wife is and they know, you know, various things I do around town and they know that I've suffered from burnout. Right. So they know all these things and the story is important. And one thing I've found, Katie, and I wonder if you agree and I bet you will, but no charge if you don't. I think people want to do business with a person not with the company. Like, I don't think they really give much of a crap about the company. They want to know who this person is behind the curtain. Is that true? I absolutely believe that. And mm-hmm. I, I, again, like I said, so one of my students, she calls herself the cancer mentor and she helps patients to understand their cancer therapy. Ooh, and one nice. of the things that gets her really upset is when patients don't want to take chemo because there's marketing out there that says chemo is poison and you know, that you shouldn't take it and you should take apricot seeds instead and that'll cure you. And there's Mm -hmm. that whole, you know, and I absolutely love holistic medicine. Sure. But I think part of that is that they don't understand because we've done a terrible job of explaining how chemo helps to get rid of cancer in the body. Mm -hmm. And if they can't understand it, they can't wrap their mind around it then it's easy to dismiss it and call it poison and say, I don't want it, right? So her mission, and I love her company, is to educate patients so they make an informed decision. And if you want to, you do what you want to do, right? I, I would totally respect anybody's decision, but just make sure that you understand both sides of the story. It's an informed decision. Yeah. And you can't do that as a corporation. You know, that's not going to work. You have to do that as a brand. Yeah. And when you talk about brand, from my perspective, brand, some people think, oh, you need a cool logo and all that kind of stuff. (laughs) And, And I often say, well, the visuals are part of the brand. Like if you have a picture of you on your website in a tank top and short shorts, you know, running around a park, then that's part of your brand, right? People are going to perceive certain things from that. Or if it's a picture of you in a suit and a tie, they're going to perceive something. So there's a visual aspect of branding, but I always talk about brand as it's the experience people have of interacting with you, your services, or your products. Do you think about brands in that way? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's it's a huge aspect of it. And, and the funny thing is, is I get nurses all the time who don't have a problem, don't have a business, but they have a website and a logo. And I'm like, like what? wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah, we need to start over. I'm, you know, the logo is beautiful and stuff, but, you know, it needs to match your audience. Your colors need to match your audience. Yeah. So we need to know what the problem is first. Don't and then put we the cart before them. the business horse. Right. right, right. And the, yeah. and what is the business horse? Is the business horse the problem and the target market? Is that the horse? Yeah, no, the the problem the target is definitely the problem. So, okay. uh, again, one of my my students has a company that's geared towards PICO, so so polycystic ovarian syndrome. Oh, yes. And uh, she's building an audience around that and uh, you know, she the initial colors that she had just you know, were like these really bright millennial type colors and, you know, gold glitter and, and purple and pink. And, you know, th- there's, they were nice, 
if you're going to a, like a, a disco party, but I'm, I, you know, I said, you have to meet your client when they come to your website, you have to understand how they feel when they come to your website. Mm-hmm. And when they come to your website, you want them to be like, Oh, thank God. Somebody understands finally. Mm-hmm. And you know, the pink and gold glitter don't convey that type of feeling and That's experience. True. That's very true. So there's the visual and then there's everything else about who you are, how you move in the world. What's the, what's it like when they interact with your website? What's it like when they have a conversation with you? Are your emails really personal when you write to your clients or are they very clinical and dry? That's part of your Mm -hmm. brand too, right? And you know, there's, there's so many different aspects to it and we can't dumb down branding because branding is so important. And for anyone out there listening, if you're listening and you're already are thinking about what your logo is going to be, like Katie just mentioned that example, take a step back, take a breath, because there's other things we want to talk about first, front and center. So Katie, for a nurse out there thinking about, you know, business might be a cool idea, something to look at for this next life chapter, right? Does a nurse have to have a business that has to do with health or healthcare? No, I mean, I definitely have nurses in my Facebook group that are doing stuff in, in real estate. I've seen nurses in all different types of industries. Mm-hmm. I think you can certainly leverage the fact that you are a nurse as a credibility factor in any type of business that you decide to start. Good point. Um, yeah. So I don't think it's necessary, but you know, it really kind of lends itself nicely to start a business in healthcare if you're a nurse and for sure. Yeah, that's true. That's true because we are the most trusted professionals in the United States and the most trusted healthcare professionals. And when you say you're a nurse, there's something that happens in the body and the mind of the person you're speaking with. Sometimes I feel like there's this relaxation that happens. Like sometimes people will drop down more deeply inside themselves. Like, Oh, you're a nurse. Now can we talk about the mole on my back? (laughs) Um, Or they say, you're a nurse. Oh my God. The nurses, when my mom was dying, were so kind. I love nurses. They're so amazing. Like you'll hear stories like that too. So it is pretty easy to leverage your nursiness for your own benefit and the benefit of your your clientele or the people who are coming to you to solve a problem. So in your business and your website is katieharris.com. That's C-A-T-I-E, katieharris.com. And people can go there to find you and also all your social media platforms like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn, which will all be in the show notes too. But when someone comes to you, what kind of assessment do you do to figure out if this potential client is actually going to be a client of yours and is someone who you can help? How do you have that initial conversation and what can that nurse in Minnesota expect when she calls you and says, hey, Katie, can we have a conversation? Right. So I do, before anybody can even join my my mastermind program, they, they need to have a conversation with me on the phone because I want to make sure that we're on the same page. And we have to 
one like each other, one initial contact, you know, not rub each other the wrong way because there's nothing worse than than that. Mm -hmm. And you have to be able to trust somebody. So I need to trust that this person is serious about starting a business and they need to trust that I can help them get to the next level where they want to go. So having that initial conversation, I spend a good 30 to 45 minutes on the phone with them, just listening to their dreams and their aspirations and what they're thinking about doing and what they want to do. And there's been several nurses that I've turned away or had recommended other coaches for them because I didn't think that I was the best person for them. So there's there's definitely a, a subset of people that you know, I, w- I would encourage to go elsewhere. But if I do feel like I can help them and they are the right fit and the personalities are good, and usually they can tell just from reading my blog post or watching YouTube's uh, videos that I have or, or that kind of stuff, the free stuff that I give or my emails, uh, the people that call me have usually connected with me for a couple of weeks or months on my different platforms before they have contacted me for right. a phone call. So yeah, so they already have a good sense of me and then it's me trying to get a good sense of them and you know, are they really serious about this because some people like I said just want that ATM machine and and business is is a great outlet for your creative process. It's not so much an ATM machine in the first few years. <laughs> yeah, it's more of a reverse ATM machine for yeah, a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like a giant checkbook going out. But that's okay. That's not to dissuade people because, you know, when you became a nurse, you spent a ton of money, right? Or borrowed yes. money or got scholarships and then shed a lot of blood, sweat, and tears to become a nurse, right? So there's a cost to becoming a nurse and it's tens of thousands of dollars at the very least. And to become a nurse practitioner, more than that, right? So if you want to start a business, you can't expect to start a business on a hundred dollars. You know, maybe you could, if you were super lucky and I don't know, just landed in the right place at the right time. But for most people, there's going to be investment of time, money, energy, passion, and maybe lost sleep, whatever it happens (laughs) to be. Right. And when you mentioned a mastermind group, Does your coaching run on Mastermind where it's a group of people working with you together as a group, or do you work one-on-one with people as well? I want to get a sense of that model of how you work with the nurses. Yeah, no, I do a combination. So I do one-on-ones, basically monthly one-on-ones with my students. And then we have um, calls that are bi-weekly. I bring in guest speakers. And then we have uh, seasonal intensives. So like coming up this September or this past weekend, we were in Cincinnati coming up in September. Oh, we'll face-to-face intensives. Yeah, face-to-face. Oh, so, I mean, they're totally optional, okay. but they're included with my mastermind. But they're really powerful to just, one, to meet each other because the students get to know each other on the Facebook page. And then it was funny because this weekend I'm like, oh, you guys don't, you've never physically met before. I didn't realize that you, you know, because yeah. we they're just like friends already and they're texting each other and they, they call each other for issues. And so it's a good community. That's great. So they have a mix of camaraderie with other people going through the same process, starting different businesses, of course. And then you have the one-to-one with you and all the interaction they have online and whatnot. Okay. So Speaking of social media, let's just go there for a minute. 
I've been contacted by various nurses who were interested in business or interested in creating something more in their lives. And one of that first things they'll say to me is, I don't do social media. And my response is always, well, it is the 21st century. And <laughs> if you want to start a business and you don't do social media, I'd recommend you not start a business, basically. What's your opinion about people's resistance to the online world at this juncture in time? I, yeah, it, it's uh, it's definitely mixed because I, I can appreciate the people that say they don't do social media because it can be a time. Like it's a yeah, time suck. For sure. But yeah, but like anything, it's part of your marketing strategy. And I, you know, I would never go on social media and say, you know, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, you mm -hmm. know, because I think that's really obnoxious. Boring. Uh, social yeah. media is like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's connecting with people. And I mean, you can go out and do one-on-one -on -one connecting in the community face-to-face, -face, or you can connect in the same way on a large platform with lots of people. Mm -hmm. So if you're not willing to connect with people and make relationships, I would agree with you, then business is not for you because business is all about who you know, who you get to know, who you help, who helps you. Mm -hmm. So if you're not willing to put that energy in, then it's not the right space. It's true. And even if you want to start a storefront, because maybe there's a nurse out there who has a storefront idea of some kind, right? Like a brick and mortar business. Almost every brick and mortar business now has to have a web presence as well, right? Absolutely. You need a website. Well, most businesses need a website. Some businesses run with just like a Facebook page and they don't have a website because Facebook has become more robust when you have a business page. But still, you have to have an online presence and you have to learn how to navigate and leverage your online presence. And you know, when I started out, Katie, I was on a shoestring. I did everything myself. I produced my podcast myself. I did all my social media. I did all my images. I did everything. And at a certain point, I had to decide to invest some money in help. So I hired, over the years, I've hired, let's see, people to handle money, like accountant kind of people to make sure I did my taxes right. I've hired business coaches. I've hired a podcast coach. I'm working with one right now. Um, I've hired virtual assistants who help me with social media. I've hired producers and editors for my podcast. So how do you know when there's a thing that your business needs? How do you make the decision that I'm going to learn how to do this myself, or I'm going to invest X number of dollars in hiring someone to do it for me? How do you guide people to decide how they're going to approach these challenges because every business idea is going to come up against similar challenges. Yeah. And that's, uh, that answer is going to vary because it, it depends. Like if you want to fast track the business, it's going to cost you money. So yeah. if you're going to start outsourcing all of that kind of stuff, it's going to cost you a lot of money up front. Mm -hmm. And you better hope that your idea is a good one um, mm -hmm. and that it's been tested. Otherwise, if you're not going to outsource it, then you are going to spend quite a bit of time. And this is where that one year, one to two years of learning comes in of learning how to do everything yourself. So in retrospect, if I could do it over again, you know, I would just have my website built for me because that was a 
<laughs> WordPress made me cry so many times. Oh I can't even tell God. you. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I hired someone from the beginning because I was like, no way am I building a website. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm envious. Um, oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I would definitely outsource that. And yeah. uh, I actually have a nurse in my my um, mastermind that builds websites. And I'm like, where were you like years yeah. ago? <laughs> where have you been all my life? Oh, yeah, I would have taught you. Just, we would we could have bartered this. Sure. Um, oh, bartering. That's a great way. Sometimes we can get certain things done through bartering, right? Yes, absolutely. It's an, absolutely another great idea if you can help somebody else and they can help you. Um, right. But there's definitely going to be things that you are just going to have to do on yourself. And maybe they're not as professional as they need to be, such as developing a YouTube channel, right? So mm-hmm. you're probably not going to hire a YouTube manager from day one, but you can certainly use free Canva templates to create YouTube thumbnails and, and have a decent presence without being, you know, the, the mega professional production presence, um, and still have, and people appreciate it. It's more about your message. And if you focus on your message and helping people, they'll forgive a lot of the other stuff. That's true. That's true. Over time, you need to become more professional because as your reach gets bigger and more and more people find you, they're going to want to see a very professional veneer. Like they want to really know that you're an expert. So you need to inspire confidence in people and a website that doesn't work well or a podcast that sounds horrible, you know, all that kind of stuff or a, a Twitter feed that's like, buy this, buy that, buy this, buy that, right? Buy my stuff. That's not going to work either. So there's also something to say for something that I learned in nursing and nursing school that I've learned in business. And I call it, and other people have called it just in time learning. Like you can't learn everything from the outset. So Katie, I bet there's been things you've had to learn like on the fly. It's like, Oh my God, got to do that. Better figure it out. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And can that process be fun? learning how to do this stuff? I've had a blast, honestly. Yeah. Like, you know, sometimes it's frustrating and sometimes I'm just like, oh my God, I can't do this. I gotta, yeah. I'm going to outsource it now. But in the beginning and especially that first year, like I could, I was so excited about all the things that I was learning. Hmm. Yeah. Now for that nurse out there who's like, you know, I kind of like my job. Maybe I want to go down to three days instead of four but I actually don't really want to quit my job. I would like to keep my benefits, you know, work 30 hours a week or whatever, but I want to have a little side hustle. So what do you say to the people who like me, I started out with a side hustle for quite a few years, almost seven years before I went full time. So what do you say to the people who are like, yeah, I just want to have a little thing on the side for a while. What's your response when people say that? Uh, I, you're definitely going to have something on the side for a while if you want. And especially if you're intentional about what it is that you're doing and what you want. Mm-hmm. So if you're a nurse and you have, again, if you're focused on some sort of problem and you're just talking about it and you can build up an Instagram, I mean, there's tons of Instagram influencers out there that uh, I'm not sure 
what they're, you know, they what end up selling. With, <laughs> I don't know what they're selling, but they have these brand deals and they have, you know, it's just because they've amassed an audience Yeah, and amassing an audience is very powerful. And it's yeah. more than just like throwing up pictures of yourself. It's you, you're relating and you're connecting with an audience. Yeah. If you have a hundred thousand nurses following you, you can go to a scrub company and say, Hey, throw me some scrubs. I'll pose for some pictures and I'll talk about how amazing your scrubs are. And you pay me X number of dollars a month to be your brand ambassador. There's a lot of that ambassadorship hanging right, happening yes, right now. Absolutely. And one thing I'll say is that when I've had nurses come to me who I've had conversations with about business and side hustles and stuff, I've had people come to me who said, you know, I do like my job. I would like to earn an extra $500 a month, like a very modest goal. And when people come to me with that, I often will say, yeah, well, let's look at your skill set and where are the places where you could find a problem to solve and make your $500 a month. Maybe you want to become a freelance writer and you just need a simple website and web presence and a couple social media accounts and write freelance. So a business doesn't have to be, doesn't have to have a million moving parts and be like rocket science, right? No, absolutely not. You're, I mean, that that's totally true. I mean, yeah. even places like getting writing for healthcare journals, a lot of them will pay you mm-hmm. a couple hundred dollars just to write some content for them. They would absolutely love that. Exactly. And I often tell people, you know, if you want to become a writer, but you don't have anything published, I often will say, go on LinkedIn, create a really amazing profile, and then start publishing articles right within LinkedIn. And then eventually, if you launch a website or a blog, you can take those articles and repurpose them on your website or blog. And on LinkedIn, you can create a brand and create some notoriety as a writer of good content. And it's a nice way to start without starting off by building a $3,000 website. So I often give people that advice, like just get your voice out in the world and then see what happens. Absolutely. And LinkedIn is like one of the most underutilized uh, social media for nurses. Oh my God. What kills me is that I'm always on LinkedIn looking for nurses of a specific type or you know a specific type of nurse and it's it's either a ghost picture or you know I just can't take them seriously because of the LinkedIn it just doesn't look professional right. it's so important just it, it won't take you long to to fix the LinkedIn and one of important. my students literally runs her entire business off of LinkedIn that's wonderful yeah and, and I'm a LinkedIn coach like I coach people how to use LinkedIn because I think it's really important and there's certain things you want to do to your profile to make it stand out And it's not rocket science, but you have to learn, you have to do it. You have to put the time and energy in, and it's not that hard, but you really just have to do it. And speaking of doing it, people can find you at katieharris.com. Now on Facebook, you have a business page. It's nursepreneurs1, right? Yep. Okay. And then Instagram is nurse underscore preneur. And then Twitter is Katie Harris RN, right? Yes. Yeah. And then LinkedIn, I think, is Katie Harris 99. So we'll make sure all those links are in the show notes so people can find you. And if they come to you and they, they heard you on the Nurse Keith show, what can they expect the first interaction to be like? Will it be an email? Will it be a complimentary 30 minute conversation? Like, what will be the very, very first thing they'll do with you? 
So if they go to my website, uh, they can certainly download the free blueprint that I have that, you know, actually includes an article on 200 non-clinical jobs that they could consider in the first place if if entrepreneurship isn't in their realm. But right. if it is, I also give an overview of what that first year looks like. Um, so that that blueprint is, is really a great resource to have just to kind of look over. It's like, 30 pages long, but it's, it's very helpful. Wonderful. And I put a lot of time and effort into that. And if they like that and they think that maybe this is something that they want to do, the email afterwards will invite them to schedule. If they want to schedule a call with me, it's, I do free 30 minute uh, strategy calls Mm -hmm. with uh, nurses that are interested in starting a business. Excellent. So there's no obligation, right? They can download that for free, get on your mailing list. They can also have a conversation with you for 30 minutes and decide if it's the right fit for you and them to work together. Absolutely. Awesome. That is so great. So, you know, Katie, there are so many nurse entrepreneurs out there more and more every day, I think, or at least every month or year, there's more and more nurses realizing that they can leverage their skills and their expertise as business people, whether it's a clinical business or a non-clinical business. And I really appreciate you adding your voice to this conversation because it's so important because a lot of nurses out there are innovators and they know really cool things and they have really cool ideas. And we need people like you who are going to help them take it from this idea on a napkin jotted down in a cafe to actually launching a business. So thank you for being out there and doing this really great work. Oh, thank you, Keith. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to The Nurse Keith Show. Remember that the show notes and everything you want to learn about Katie Harris at katieharris.com will be at nursekeith.com forward slash episode 240. There will even be an embedded YouTube video that you can see of Katie and learn all about nursepreneurs. I hope you feel uplifted, empowered, and informed from this episode. And I want you to take inspired action every day in the interest of your personal and professional satisfaction. And did you know there are many resources at nursekeith.com? That's right. Head over there and go to the resources drop-down menu. You'll find jobs from ZipRecruiter and Reload. You'll find free ACLS and BLS certification, all sorts of stuff. Just head to nursekeith.com and the resources drop-down menu. The Nurse Keith Show is edited and produced by Tim Hollowell and his team at thepodcastinggroup.com, and Mark Cappy-Speason is our social media maven. Please keep tuning in again and again. We want you to elevate your life and your career to where you would like it to be next. Be well, dig deep, seek joy, keep in touch. This is Nurse Keith saying adios till next time from Santa Fe, New Mexico, and the wonderful Katie Harris saying see you later from Philadelphia, PA. Philadelphia, PA, where I lived as a young art student. Poor, but sometimes happy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Katie, see you sometime in Philadelphia. And for those listening out there, Catch you on the other side.